What's new with you? Uh, lots. Yes. Lots and lots. Uh, by the time this is done, I don't know if it'll be released, but I have seven of my 12 episodes that I'm now officially, I can say it on here, I guess, because it'll all be recorded. Uh, but I sent a video in for BP a few weeks ago that I made about a local investor and tried my hardest just to see if I could make something cool. They freaked out. They loved it. And I'm making 12 of them and we're hoping to release them right before BP con. Um, so, so I recorded them. It's not official. It it's official be. on my end. It's yeah, official yeah. on my end. It's not official public yet. Um, I have to get all 12 of them done, but I have seven recorded. I have one that I'm recording tomorrow. I have two that I record on Thursday. Um, that'll put me at 10 and then I'll do Roderick. That's 11. And then I think I might do uh, Dan Kidd or I might, I got to get some more feet. I got to get another female, two, two more females. I so I, I'm going to record some probably extras. I'll probably end up recording 13 or 14 and only releasing 12. But um, it's going incredibly well. And uh, it's the, it's going incredibly well. Yeah. They've been, they've been good from what I have not seen because it's not official. But yep. uh, yeah, that's awesome, dude. And my flip closed $68,000 NOI oh, on a on a $70,000 all-in cost. Yeah, that's pretty fucking sweet. Hell yeah. That's good. Oh, you know. I, I, close on my, uh, I close on my duplex next Monday. And, oh, I didn't tell you, but, well, actually, I did tell you. Yeah, anyway, so the only other thing that's new with me is I finally got my first, like, referral check from a real estate agent. And it was more than I thought it was going to be after taxes and broker fees came out. So... That's why for those of you who see that I went and splurged on this camera I'd been talking about for like two months, I was talking myself out of it because the one I had was effective. But then I made about as much as this camera cost me more than I was expecting. And I was like, yep, that's it. Sign, sign from the heavens that it is. I wanted to upgrade. I just needed an excuse. So The EOS R? Yeah. I'll teach you how to use it. Yeah, you and YouTube. I'm going to be, that's part of my journal today is sit down and just YouTube through some tutorial stuff and pick people's brains. I just need to get it right now. I just need to get it set up just decent enough to do a video. And then from there, I can pull it down and figure out the webcam piece and everything else. Uh, yeah, you'll need the, uh, the cam link. Although Canon just released a new piece of firmware that might let you do it without it, but I don't know. Um, it depends on what kind of machine you have. I think I don't know. I don't know how good that's going to be. But um, but I'll teach you how to do it because I have I've set mine up now in the EOSR with the as you can see there's no display because that's yeah. you gotta you gotta mess with the settings a little bit otherwise you'll get some of the you know the rounded you'll get like let's see if I can like you like oh can I oh oh I saw yeah on the bottom where it's all the like the actual display from the camera yeah yeah like, I don't want to do it but. All right, well, yeah. he just jumped into the chat, so real quick, I don't know, do you know, you know Josh Elledge, right? We met at FinCon, actually, I haven't talked yeah, to him yeah. only a little bit since, I'm excited to, to talk to him, yeah, he's a, he's an impressive fella. Yeah, so this is gonna be fun, so this is not real estate, but he's built a pretty solid business, and helped me build mine, so, uh, for those of you- And he like knows cameras. The, for those of you who like the angry marine rants, um, that's all him, so- him telling me that my persona sucked so all right we're gonna let him Wait, I, hel I helped yeah you helped too but he was the one who first sat me down and was like dude you're a marine and you're nice it's conflicting be an asshole on youtube and i was like oh okay and then that video did very well so <laughs>
You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, We're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do and will really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase, but I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Hey, what's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret, with my co-host, Alex Felice. And today, we get to bring you a really cool episode. This is Josh Elledge. He is a Navy veteran and a serial entrepreneur. He's built a lot of businesses, but the first one that went fairly large was Savings Angel. He did very, very well with that. And now he's the founder and CEO of upmyinfluence.com, which I have personally used to design my press media kit and redesign my LinkedIn and change my LinkedIn profile. And he's really helped me out with my business. In fact, uh, as you may have heard in the intro, he's the uh, man, the myth, the legend behind the Angry Marine Rants. So if you like those <laughs> videos, this was all his idea. So Josh, welcome to the show. David, thank you so much. Why don't you uh, just give a little backstory to the audience about uh, really just your story? Yeah. So straight out of high school, we had a uh, recruiter come into my journalism class and he brought with him a, a guy that graduated from our high school a couple of years back, a few years back, and he was now a photog or photographer in the Navy. And, uh, you know, he's like, man, this is awesome. And I'm just like two years out of like high school. Here I am like hanging out of helicopters and shooting video and shooting photos and stuff. And it is the life. And I, like me and a buddy, we were just like, Oh, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, just like, oh my gosh, that would be so incredible. And, you know, and it was kind of funny because he was like, man, you don't want to go to college right now. Go out and do stuff if you want to make it, make it big in journalism. And it's actually not bad advice. Uh, you know, on the job training is, in my opinion, way more valuable uh, for anyone that's interested in a career in journalism. Uh, you know, it's so funny, you know, because we hired journalism grads or PR grads today. And I mean, I can tell you exactly what employers are looking for. They kind of don't care how you did on your midterm in your junior year. They really don't care at all. What they want to know is how many followers do you have? Let's take a look at your social media accounts. What kind of stuff are you producing right now? That they care way more about what are you doing. So, you know, for me, uh, my buddy ended up not getting in, and uh, but I did, and so went to boot camp, 
and then went to a year of journalism school in at Fort Benjamin Harrison in uh, Indianapolis, just outside of Indianapolis. It's, it's like another, like a couple of bases I've been to, been decom since then. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a great experience. And, you know, one moment that I had, you m- remember the movie Good Morning Vietnam, right, with Robin Williams? So I met the real Adrian Cronauer and um, not as funny, very outspoken. And, you know, I had a really great moment. I remember, you know, I'll never forget the one thing that, that he shared to our audience, to the class, uh, aside from making some, some pretty inappropriate comments to, uh, to a particular attendee. Um, he's like, what are they going to do to me? I'm a civilian, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, he, he really was an advocate for serving your audience and putting the needs of your audience first, uh, above all else, even the chain of command, uh, is, is ultimately they are at the top of the chain of your command. And that's who you have an obligation, a moral obligation to serve. And so, you know, one rule that axiom that I've tried to live by in business is try to serve audiences with no conditions, with no ulterior, you know, ulterior motives. You know, I'm not trying to rope someone into buying my thing, or I'm not trying to get them to join my thing, you know, whatever that thing is, which unfortunately, there are far too many people out there that that's what they do. And so it ends up giving marketers a bad name. And so therefore, we are in the midst. And and again, I've been studying and leading consumer behavior for 13 years, we are in the marketing apocalypse. It's because consumers today have never been more jaded. They've never been more skeptical. They've never been more resistant to being sold to. So we just, you know, do everything in our power to avoid commercials being sold to ads. Um, If we feel like we're in some kind of funnel uh, now, it just, people are just like, this feels icky. So what rules today? What rules today is authenticity. What rules today is 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 giving first without the expectation of return. And so if you're in business for yourself, you're not doing this and you're wondering why you're stagnating in business, you might take a look at what your opinion of audiences is. If you think that audiences are just there to manipulate trick and upsell and tripwire and all this other nonsense, okay, that could be a clue. People know what you're doing. You need to start treating audiences like they're just as smart as you and probably smarter. <laughs> and so you can't, you just can't get away with the old used car sales techniques anymore. You just need to be authentic, give, give as much value as you possibly can, and just trust that audiences know how to find you, know what to do. So while we've been having this conversation, assuming that my name is spelled right on the, um, on the show description or whatever, people have, a lot of people have already Googled me, and I know that. And so uh, we'll talk about what you do when you know that audiences know how to use Google and know how to find you in today's age. That's awesome. I love that advice. And I'm just going to touch on the fact that I love where you said that they care about how many followers you have and what you're doing. I, I have noticed that I get spammed and I call it spam because that's what it feels like by people at least once a week saying, Hey, I'll help you grow your following. I'll help you do this. I'll help you do that. And the first thing I always look at is their profile. And they're always like, Oh, well I help manage all these accounts. And I'm like, well, that's great. Like you could manage an account with a hundred thousand followers, but you have 900. And like if, not to say that they aren't capable, but why am I even going to give somebody a shot if they can't build their own platform? And that's from just yep. a consumer 
standpoint for like looking for someone to help me. I'm not looking to hire them per se. Right. But well, I guess it kind of would be. But so I think that's I think that's great advice that like, yeah, you need to get out it, there and do it. It it really is. And um, so you know, we have to understand that, you know, everything is fair game today. So your internet presence is very much like your internet dating profile. And um, you know, you could talk a good game in the chat. I mean, I don't, I haven't been, I haven't done any internet dating in a long time. I've been married for 24 years. I'll be married 25 years uh, at the end of the, toward the end of this year. Uh, but, you know, again, you wouldn't talk a good game in, in, you know, chatting someone up and then they look at your dating profile and they're like, yeah, this dude is a major loser. Right. Uh, and, and it's not that you're a major loser. It's that your dating profile just looks really bad and it, it looks sketchy. It just, you got to spend some time on this stuff and is, is in some ways it's superficial. Yeah, it's pretty superficial. You know, having a LinkedIn profile and, and your LinkedIn profile being a representative of your value or your, you know, kind of your worth. Yeah, that's extremely superficial, but it's how we all do business today. Before you do business with anyone, you're going to check them out. And um, so, you know, if you know all the moves on the chessboard, you may as well, you know, play a few moves ahead and just know that, okay, if audiences are going to take a look at my website, I better take a look at my website. If audiences are going to judge me based on what's in my email signature, I better look at what's in my email signature. And I'm not saying it needs to be, you know, like Mozart. It, it doesn't have to be perfect. So don't, don't get paralysis analysis on this, but you do need to be mindful of what other people are looking at. You know, if you are a speaker and you charge $100,000 per speaking engagement, what would you imagine your speaking website would look like? It would probably look amazing. The speaker reels and the testimonials and, you know, the video and the, the you know, everything, the, the speaker kit, it's going to be locked down. I mean, if you're someone who's at that level professionally, and so that would be one thing. If, on the other hand, you're a speaker uh, that is just, I don't know, you're just doing some free workshops here and there, okay, and you kind of envision in your mind, what would that speaker's website look like, okay? Um, you kind of get an idea. So people are going to say, okay, if, if you just ask $10,000 for the speaking engagement, I'm going to look at your website and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at your poker tells. I'm like, do you look like someone who gets paid $10,000 to speak? And if not, you know, I'm, uh, so I'm, uh, you know, it's not that I won't hire you, but you, you kind of got some red flags going up. Hey, Josh, I love that you spoke about authenticity because I personally, I kind of hate marketing. Uh, yeah. as, a, as, a, as an industry for the exact same reasons that you said. And I think a lot of people, I think they put up with it even more than me, even though I think you're right. A lot of people don't like it. They don't like shallow sales, right? And they don't right. like being, hey, look, you don't really care about me. You just want me to like your thing. That's all you really care exactly. about. Exactly. I yeah. just wrote, I wrote a rant about this on, on Facebook this morning, actually. And so um, I feel like my message and my content is very authentic, uh, but I have no followers. What's the blend, the balance between like, look, you have to go out and you have to try to effectively spread your message while still being authentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the real, yeah. So thank you, Alex. Like the, um, uh, the reality is that people will come to you for your leadership and your attractive character. They will, um, your wisdom, your experience, you know, does it seem like this is someone who can, uh, make my life better? Can I learn from them? 
but they will stay for the sense of community and they will stay for your imperfections and they will stay for win. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, um, yeah. So now you, again, I recommend you still got to be prolific. I mean, you still have to produce as much content as you can. And eventually, you know, again, it's, and at the beginning, it's very much that, you know, that, that curve, it's not linear. I mean, it is exponential. It's a grind to get it going. It really is. And, and so to anybody else who's like, you know, you're just kind of at the early stages of getting that audience going. I, I listen, I'm with you, but you, you just got to get, you got to break out of that first kind of six to 12 months. And if you keep at it, like if you're on YouTube, we see this consistently with YouTubers, you know, if you can produce three or more videos a week and you can do that for four months, chances are you're going to start building a following, even if you're not that great. You just will. And you'll get better at it by doing it. It's the, it's the reality. And so, you know, same thing with podcasts. Now, today, there are a lot more podcasts than there were like seven years ago when I first started. Um, so it's a little noisier um, just because there's so much inventory to choose from now. Yes, there's more listeners, um, but it's just a, no, it's a much more noisy market. Um, so, you know, but again, it's, you just got to pick something, stay with it, make sure that you're, ser- you truly are serving an audience. You've got something that makes you memorable. You know, David, when you and I chatted, um, you know, about your, your persona, your persona really matters. People love to be able to say, that's the guy or that's the gal, the dot, 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 dot. And you're really, really memorable. And you really lean into that personality. So if you see, so I've been on TV now more than 700 times. And if you see me do a consumer segment, there's absolutely a personality. I mean, it's my authentic personality. Like I really geek out on some things and I'm not afraid to show people, you know, what kind, you know, what kind of a nerd I am when it comes to, for example, saving money and kind of knowing how to like life hack everything. And, and uh, so that's my persona on TV. And I, and like I said, I really lean into it. And so therefore, you know, especially like in our heyday with Savings Angel, you know, I was known as kind of this coupon king kind of guy. Like, um, you know, and it was just like, I love figuring out how to work the system <laughs> and do so ethically. Uh, that was my persona. And so, and journalists knew me as that and they'd always call me in. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to be in the mushy middle with your message. You kind of want to be I'd say not at 90, 100%, because you don't want to be on the lunatic fringe, but you want to be at like 80%. Like you want to be like, okay, you know, this, this gal really stands for something and I want to be a part of that. Um, but that generally is really, really helpful when it's, you're kind of coming up with, you know, your who, what, when, where, why, you know, who am I, I'm a mission, purpose, values, all that sort of thing. But, but definitely lean into being memorable. And so that's why David, you know, and I'm like, dude, why aren't you like really doing that like Marine Corps drill sergeant, blah, 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 you know, getting in people's faces. It fits. You got the mustache for it. You may as well. So (laughs) I love it. All right. I just want to real quickly, I think we skipped over this and uh, you got a a great business idea there, Josh. I don't know why you're not uh, helping people do some dating profile coaching and consulting. Guaranteed to, you know, 25 yeah. years of marriage, guaranteed to uh, do some critiquing. I, I don't know if you want to pivot, but. You know, 
<laughs> I actually went to college for family therapy. That's that was my undergrad, uh, and ended up doing so much internet development, internet development for the professors back then. Like I maxed out on research credit and internship credit. Uh, that I actually, that's I, I basically didn't even finish my. Uh, I mean, I guess technically I got my bachelor's, but. I don't, I don't know, maybe <laughs> I ended up getting a job in internet development. And uh, so I missed out on my lifelong dream of being a love doctor on the radio. That's oh. what I wanted to be while I, all throughout uh, when I was in the Navy. That's pretty funny. All right. So, oh, sorry. So let me ask you a, kind of a, something I've been stewing on over the last few weeks, um, kind of out there, but I'm curious what you think about it. Um, the tonight show, the daily show, the, the night the, you know, the talk shows, they all, uh, during COVID-19, they all went to their houses. Yeah. And I thought to myself, um, and I could be very wrong, but to me, it seems like that's the kiss of death for that type of medium. Because what you've done is you've democ you've taken all the production out and you've just yeah. democratized personalities. And so Trevor Noah has a good personality, but there's 350 million Americans and a lot of them have a, a good personality. And now mm -hmm. even a dingling like me, right? With a nice camera and a high speed internet connection, which doesn't cost that much, right? We're essentially production quality equal. Now he's got a writer's room and jokes, but there's plenty of people that don't, that yeah. could go toe to toe with him for a fraction of the cost. I know it. Yeah. And so I, I look at that and I say, you guys have just taken away your, you, the audience was the weapon. That's the one thing you had. Right. And you took that away and you did it instantly because you think, because they thought, you know, we need to continue to produce content, but my thinking now is I believe they're, I look at them like anybody now, anybody could do it. Yeah. Do you, do you think that that's, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point and something that I, I actually posted about this a few weeks ago about, you know, this, you know, kind of the celebrity culture is like some of this stuff has been that, you know, quote unquote celebrities have been doing is, you know, it hasn't really been landing very well. Uh, and, you know, when they don't have access to the writers, I mean, it definitely takes a team to produce a lot of what you see. And then there's also, it's kind of interesting, right? It's like when you go to Disney, so I live in Orlando. When you go to Disney World, the food there tastes better than it actually is because you're at Disney World, because there's this, oh my gosh. It costs twice you know, as much. What's that? <laughs> Because it costs three times as much. It does, so yeah, like, right. And so you forget about all of that. You know, in reality, at Disney World, the joke is that they, you know, they put all the food through the deflavorizer before they put it out on the table so it doesn't offend anybody. Um, and so we, we go to Disney a lot. And it's, listen, it's the, the ambiance, that's what you're paying for. You're at Disney. Um, reality, in my opinion, it, it, you know, there's some um, exceptions to this. But it's just now, why am I talking about this? Well, when we see someone on TV, there's also this, oh, there's a laugh track, there's a live audience, there's a high production value. It's better than it actually is. So when you watch like, you know, I've even uh, like Saturday Night Live from home has been the first one was actually really good. Second one is okay. Um, but, you know, when they remove the laugh track, it's like, listen, you live and die based on your performance alone. And some people are just excellent performers, you know, at, at that sort of thing. And, you know, having studied improv comedy for a year, I mean, I know how much, you know, how important that is delivery and, you know, connection with that audience is just so critical. And, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that right now, this is, I think the world fast forwarded about three to five years over the past couple months 
and I think that uh, everyone is now seeing, you know, it's kind of a little emperor has no clothes, but it's like, you know, look at, you know, the quality here with my favorite YouTubers, it's just as good as that. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's authority through association. And this gets into, well, why do you still do media? Even though reality, the audience on, you know, someone, you know, my local Fox 35 in Orlando, it might be 10,000 people watching at any one time. The audiences are really not that big compared to a lot of social media audiences. But we do, why does, you know, why do big Fortune 500 companies still put those media logos? And Tony Robbins, you know, has an enormous audience online, but why does he put a clip of himself on CNBC? It's because most people overvalue the visibility of media and they undervalue the authority that you get. So when you do have that association with NBC or something, whatever, like Sci-Fi Channel, whatever you're doing, right? It's, you do that because it's validation. And so we look at traditional media as somehow being bigger than those of us just kind of sitting around at the nerd table. So um, when you share a media win with your audience, you're not doing it because you're bragging about, hey, look at me, I'm so wonderful. You're doing it because it validates the tribe. It validates what we're doing. Um, and it's kind of like that third-party documentation beats conversation any day of the week. So if I can show you, uh, you know, a clip of me speaking for the Tony Robbins organization online, you'd be like, your opinion of Josh just went up a little bit. I hope maybe, maybe unless you don't like Tony Robbins. Uh, but, but I, you know, I, I will commonly let people know. Now I signed a contract that I'm not allowed to promote it like on my front page. I wish I could. Uh, but you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. I agree with you on a lot of that. And I must say that I watched a few of the SNL clips from home and there was one because improv like you feed off, like you said, you feed off everyone. I, I can't yeah, imagine and you trying feed to off the that. crowd too. Oh, oh and my so gosh. At the very end of the clip, it was Pete Davidson in his basement and they were doing one anyway, at the very like last 10 seconds, he just goes, Oh man, that's hard without an audience. And then it cuts. Ah! And I was like, see, like, and that was the best part of the yeah. whole clip to me. Cause I was just like, Yes, like I, f I could feel it. And, and I was just, it was just cool to me to see that. I haven't yeah. watched any more of it, but I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm glad he like authentic. And then there was one uh, where Brad Pitt like took off the, you know, at the end and, yeah. and said like, hey, you know, we appreciate this. So like they've tried to add in the authenticity of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been strange watching yeah. and thinking like, man, that's exactly what I do or, or what, you know, mm. That people can actors do. who actors who do stage and then go to go to film uh, many of them will go back to stage because it's just it's hard to do what you do without that instant feedback it's really addictive um you know i have all like i said i I only did improv for one year and you know, I was a play in high school. So I'm not speaking as an actor by any means. Like I'm such a hack on that. Um, but you know, having done that for a year, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, oh, I've done a lot of public speaking and I love that. I mean, that's like so fun uh, to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, you know, that it's, it's, it's immediacy is what, what it is that we're after. Um, you know, it's why uh, is a live video engaging with someone on Zoom, for example, more powerful than asynchronous video? It's because you have immediacy. You have the feedback of people engaging with you in real time. And so, you know, when you think about sales, uh, it's really important that you 
try to do all you can to increase time together. Make it re- insanely easy for people to spend time with you. And the higher touch you can make it, the better. So if you can spend, you know, if you can get someone to spend a few hours with you, live video, I mean, live in person is the best of all. Uh, but then, you know, live video, I'd say would be, you know, second, you know, you know, then there would be maybe like a one to many live video might be in there where you can kind of ask questions. There's still some feeling of immediacy, but then asynchronous video, you know, where I record a video and I'm talking directly to you and I send it like I do that. Like if you're in, if you know my systems, like if, even if nothing else, you want to see and learn like what I've learned about what works today with consumers. Uh, just engage with me somehow, some way at up my influence. So uh, up my influence.com. So you can see how we use video for everything. Short, short video. What's that say? It didn't come through, but Hey, I get, I've, I've gotten several emails that look like this and it's Josh saying like, Hey Dave. And then you click oh, it and it's a personalized yeah, yeah. video for you. Yep. I got, so I got my little whiteboard <laughs> and I begin every video waving my hand yep. on the whiteboard with your name on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. It, it works. Hey, people, people love it. Like, um, so I use, and there's a couple others out there. I use bomb bomb. Um, and I, I'm a bomb bomb power user. Um, at a minimum, I'm sending 10, 15 a day. Uh, and that's what moves our sales forward without question. Woo! We'll be back with the show in just a minute, but I wanted to take a brief second and say that, look, you are already obviously investing in yourself by listening to this podcast. But if you can't figure out how to get past all that daunting crap that you just don't know how to sort through and you're trying to get started in real estate investing and you're just stuck... I mean, it happens to all of us. It's daunting. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know everything there is to know, and you don't know really where to find all the information. So that is why I created the Real Estate Investing for Beginners Zero to One course, which is solely designed to get you from, I want to invest in real estate to, holy crap, I have a rental and it's cash flowing. And this course is not going to be anything super complicated that you won't be able to understand. It is just designed to teach you how to build a team, find investments, finance investments, conduct due diligence, close on the investment, and then operate it so that you can enter the real estate investing world smoothly. So if that sounds like something that interests you, definitely check out the link below. And it's cheap as hell right now. Uh, so to uh, kind of refute my earlier point, but also um, I'm trying to look at this at all sides. So like, you know, uh, COVID-19 comes along the world supposedly stops and everybody goes to zoom. Everybody goes to content super hard, which I've been doing the same thing, right? I love it. And you know, uh, to my, to what I was saying earlier, like uh, Saturday night live goes, goes to virtual content. Daily show goes to virtual content. Mm -hmm. But what, but, but two things I think are happening. The first was what I just said, like, Hey, look, you're realizing that if it's digital, it's democratized. You you have very little um, additional benefit that you would have if you had the audience. Right. And so, but the other side of this is, now, certainly some people are really enjoying not having to go out in public, right? There are those people that are like, oh, I get to stay home all day. This is amazing. Um, but I also think there's people like me that I, I always knew or I always assumed that in-person contact was at a much higher value than digital, right? Even one-on-one conversations like this, like you're saying, not just me talking on camera, me talking to you like this. But it's, it certainly doesn't replace human contact, physical, face-to-face, the body language. Right. Now, do you think that... Um, when we all come out of this in some fashion that 
you know, the conference world, people are worried that it's, you know, going to die. But I think actually it's going to increase because people who value that are going to be like, I really need the human contact really can't be replaced. So I think we are seeing maybe a little bit of both. There's a democratization of the virtual, but also maybe a higher value on the smaller but necessary human connection. Yeah, I, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting. You look at, you know, how events like, you know, the Great Depression and 9-11 and um, the recession in 2008, like how, how this stuff impacted culture and society. And, and this is a generation we're, we're going to forever be impacted by this. I mean, there are already indicators, um, you know, the restaurant industry has known that, you know, especially like Gen Z and millennials, don't like going to sit down restaurants. Like they're already just saying, look, I'd rather just be at home with, you know, with my gaming system and all this other stuff and just connecting like, you know, my own, like that was already moving in that direction. Um, Again, I think the world fast forwarded about three to five years and the things that I think we were already on the way to doing uh, are becoming more so. So get to your, getting to your point on events, I don't know. But all I know is that if I were a speaker today, uh, I would pitch myself as a speaker who can deliver uh, an in-person experience virtually if necessary. And so I would really invest in having a great home studio and say, listen, if we're going and all of a sudden, you know, the virus comes and we all have to distribute again, and this ends up being a virtual event, I want you to see, look what I've got set up here. I'm ready to go and I can still deliver results. So I, I, that's how I would present myself if I were a speaker today. I like yeah, fair that. Point. Yeah, but I agree with you. Like in person is very special. Um, but, you know, and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm nervous that um, this is a generation now, you know, at the very least, we're all going to turn into a little bit of Howie Mandel where, you know, we're going to be like, you know, not want to get too close to other people. Oh, no. I'm a hugger. Yeah. Everybody's I, I think you're right about that. I think uh, I personally am not a fan of that. That's just mm-hmm. me as one individual. I mean, don't I know worry, some people like, oh, great. I didn't want to talk. I, I didn't want, there's a lot of people out there that are like, I didn't want to talk to you or touch you ever anyway. And so this yeah. is, this is perfect. Um, I'm okay. Virtual, but uh, it is an interesting dynamic. And I do agree that in some fashion, it'll shift. I mean, there are people that are not going to go to conferences ever again. Um, and I, I hope that, I hope that that's not the case in bulk. I hope that there'll still be some conferences, even if there's maybe less. I yeah. do agree that the the mass of it, like it was even six months ago, is probably going to is going to be quite different. You know, again, my advice on this is, you know, when you see disruptions in the marketplace, ask yourself, you know, how am I likely to be impacted by this? long term how will this change how i do things and ask other people you know and try to get a feel for what consumers are going to do because you know they always say you know trends are your friends and if listen sometimes you know a great example with is with savings angels so you know at our, our high watermark in 2011 we're a seven figure year company um and then we weren't <laughs> and so it's because we rode the trend and it, the trend was you know extreme couponing so the recession, you know, we launched in 2007, 2008, the recession hit. Um, and then it was a wonderful, wonderful rise between 2008 and 2011. And then it just kind of slowly tapered off from then. And, you know, it's like you can argue with markets all you want. And I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, markets win. You have to give the market what, it's want, what it wants. And you're not smarter than the market. 
right? You, well, you can be smart in your own, smarter than the market in your own mind. And I could say, consumers, what are you ridiculous? Why would you pay full price for groceries? Hey, they want to, that, you know, and I can't change that. And so if the, if the consumers, uh, if consumers have spoken, consumers have spoken and you just need to continue to give them. So, you know, right now without my influence, one thing we do really really well is we build we two things we do really well we get our clients we turn them into media celebrities and we, so we take them from, from invisible to seen and celebrated uh and then we also are very very good at building b2b sales systems so so much so that you know we could double the investment that they pay with us it's kind of a big ticket item for us to build that for them uh, but when it's built we guarantee that they'll make fifty thousand dollars uh from their twenty five thousand dollar investment now um, when we initially launched that, yeah, and it's, I can only offer that now because I've done it long enough. And that's what we could talk about, like risk reversal and guarantee, and uh, which I think is really important for consumers today. Like in talk and speak in terms of like, what is the outcome that they really want? And if you got to find a way to get there, you got to find a way to say, uh, you know, even if it's you got to charge more money, but you could still guaranteed results. That's uh, consumers really are expecting that. But when we first launched, we were did it. We did our B two B sales system ourselves, and we were able to grow our um, sales pipeline. We had about twenty some thousand dollars monthly recurring revenue last year. May by November of last year, again not not including what we had on the books, um, but that was over two hundred thousand dollars monthly recurring revenue in our pipeline. Again, not closed. Um, so. Um, so that's what we got really good at doing ourselves. We had a couple of clients that were like, Hey, what are you doing? Can you do that for us? We we're like, sure. Um, so the first one we did it for was a mastermind and they sold three $25,000 masterminds in 60 days. They made $75,000 at the time. We only charged them three grand. And I'm like, well, that was dumb. <laughs> Instead, I should have said, I'll do it, but I want a piece of the action. And what's so the name of that charity? <laughs> yeah. So now, now that's what we do. We're, we're really picky on who we can work with. Um, because we know, we know who we work really, really well for and who we don't work for. But, you know, we just, we just don't work with that. You know, we used to like, oh, you know, we'll work with anybody and kind of test it out and charge them. And we offered a done with you solution. The market said, Oh, okay, I guess we'll try that. Uh, but overwhelmingly we learned a couple things. People go one of two directions, either we end up doing everything for them anyway, and it ends up being done for you and they're successful. And we got, you know, one client's like an intellectual property law attorney, got him 37 appointments in one week. And so it's like, well, if I can do that for him, I can do this for about anybody who fits, you passes all of our tests. Um, but that was one thing that we put it out to the market. Oh, I was going to say the other group of people didn't do anything. Like they, they honestly paid us like four grand and did nothing. And we're like, you have to do this. You have to do this part. You have to do this part. And they're like, yeah, I know, but I'm too busy. I'm like, you gave me $4,000. Yeah, I know, but I'm too busy to get to that. These other guys got 37 appointments and you have zero. Yeah, I know, but I'm too busy working, uh, working in my business or you know, working for my business. It happens. So that's why we just don't do done with you anymore. Like we're gonna, we, need, we need to take charge of everything. And if we could take charge of everything, then we can offer a, a guarantee on our results because we know our ability. Love it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it's, uh, that's, it's, you know, at least you're selling, it's good that to hear you selling a product that you've got a good test bed for, a yeah. good, you know, proof of concept. And then you, uh, and, and you know, I like that too. You're like, hey, look, I underpriced myself in the beginning to, oh, yeah. to, give, to give more value than I took. 
And then once I knew my value, you probably still underprice it, but at least you're getting your fair share now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, reality, once this system is set up, um, you know, we expect our clients to do about a half a million dollars if they're, if again, we're involved and, and we're doing everything for them. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, we will probably increase our price again, especially on the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll only take on like, you know, one client a month and like, okay, we're going to work together for, for, for three years here. And our goal is to get you to seven figures. Um, that'll be probably be the next phase of how we do things. So just because again, if we can control it, we have enough data at the beginning, you don't. Right. And so, you know, when you've got a minimum viable, minimum viable product, everything's going to be way inefficient but that's okay. Like you're going to end up doing a lot of work. You're, you're kind of figuring this stuff out and then you're gathering data and you're gathering testimonials and you're gathering experience so that, you know, you don't take a bath by making a bad business decision um, in, in who you work with in the future. Yeah. Smart, smart, wow. smart. Some incredible stuff. All right. I'm a, I'm a backtrack like a decade. Um, so I know you, you mentioned you had several business adventures that did not work out before oh, yeah. Angel took off. <laughs> I guess my question would be, what was the catalyst? Like, do you know, was there something you did or was it just the right product, the right time? Like, what do you think played into the one that finally, I mean, cause now it's, now it's two that have taken off at, at least two that I know of that have taken off. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I went through bankruptcy, personal bankruptcy, lost a home to foreclosure, um, lost another home in a short sale, had to live with my in-laws, you know, with two young kids um, for almost a year. Um, oh, like I've been through all that stuff and it sucks. And it sucks yeah. as a guy, uh, especially culturally, if you can't provide for your family, um, it's like, what's wrong with you? Uh, you know, get your stuff together. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I knew... Uh, so, you know, and some of the businesses did okay for a while. Um, and ultimately though, they all kind of crumbled. I think at the beginning, my initial fear was, you know, I was afraid of selling because I had in my mind an idea of what sales was. Um, and sales was trying to convince people of stuff. And so it really messed with my head. Um, and it's not at all. So sales is really just kind of the transference of value and you have to give more value than you accept. And if you don't, if you don't think that that's the case, then you need to adjust what you're doing until you get to the point where you are convinced that the value that you, that you offer way, way outperforms what you're selling. And so you got, again, you got to keep working on product development until you get to that point uh, emotionally. Otherwise it's going to mess you up in sales. Um, so, you know, with our PR services, like one fourth, the cost of a normal PR firm. And I, I know from experience, you know, having blown $25,000 on PR with savings angel, I'm like, that was stupid. I was doing way better than what they did, uh, doing it myself. And, and so I'm like, and I'm like, really, that's the best that this industry can provide small business owners? Well, it's a broken system. So there was an opportunity there that, you know, that we were able to help out with. But um, yeah, you know, in terms of, you know, failure, um, it's th those failures now, it really sucks to go through. But what I want you to Im imagine is if you're, especially if you're going through this right now, as you're listening to this conversation, you're writing the story right now and it sucks. But if there's any, I think if there's any kind of helpful point of view on when you're going through a difficult situation, just know that you're writing the most exciting part of the book right now. And the most exciting part is when you're facing adversity and you're really being put through the crucible and you know, you're going to get on the other side of that. And 
it's, you know, uh, you know, failure is always found on, or success is always found on the backside of failure. And so when, when you have something really bad happen, um, I, I, I would love if you could kind of reprogram yourself to get a little excited about that. Because if you can overcome this thing, you're going to have a success. So I like to do that when weird bad stuff happens. Like, why did that client all of a sudden quit? Or why did this, some, why did this person, you know, say something, you know, uh, uncomfortable to hear? Uh, and it's like, okay, well, there's a lesson here for me. And we always grow the most when we go through some of those moments of discomfort. Um, you know, we learn this through the military, which, I, which is why I think, you know, a lot of, you know, veterans are, are generally pretty good in many aspects of business ownership. Um, and, and I'd say that the, the areas that veterans are really good at is you need that grit and that determination, that willing to keep on going um, when times are tough. Now, I will also say, and I've noticed this now in serving the military community quite a bit, is that sometimes we get a little pigheaded uh, and we don't stop to be coachable. And even when we are coachable, um, we don't really, uh, you know, we don't, you know, it's just, oh, I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to work harder. Working hard is not always the best solution. Um, you know, if it's, you know, if it's broken and, you know, I, I believe in working hard to get something, you know, to kind of really vet it out as possible, as best as possible. But at the end of the day, we also need to be really coachable and responsive to what people are asking for. And if people are just not asking for what we're doing, be willing to shift and say, well, what do you need? What can I give you? Um, and that's, that's one thing I, I, I would say. I actually, my mom and my mother-in-law was just asking me about, you know, you've, you've done all this kind of pro bono work for military audiences. What have you noticed? And I'm like, really, really great on the hard work ethic. Not real coachable sometimes. And it's, it's frustrating for someone who's been doing this as long as I've been doing. It's like, you know, and I know one question you're going to ask me is like, you know, if you're sitting down with an E1, E2, E3, you know, you provide them some advice, you know, it's like, well, my dream would be that they truly would listen. Um, the reality is they're, you know, it's like a lot of younger folks, um, not a lot, but well, a significant portion of them, you know, it's like, they're just not ready to be coachable yet. And coachability is, you know, if I can get someone who's coachable and willing to work hard, uh, that's someone who's going to be very successful. Yeah. 18 plus a uh, little bit of military background, bad, bad combination of arrogance. And I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself, but I think yeah. that's kind of the case, right? You're like, it's, Oh yeah. I, I was that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm 18. I got a little bit of money. I got some job security and uh, apparently I'm the savior of the nation. Yeah. You can't tell me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that sounds like the perfect segue, Josh, into that question. What would you tell an E1, E2 if, they, if you had a little bit of time to give them some advice for life? Yeah. Um, well, you know, philosophically, you know, I, I, I very much, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, pulling oneself up by their own bootstraps kind of thing. You know, I've, I've generally always been a bootstrapper. I don't need investors. I don't need the government to bail me out. Um, so, you know, familiar with Ayn Rand, uh, I would say, you know, read Atlas Shrugged. Um, you might not like it and you might argue against some aspects of, of, of her philosophy and that's fine. Uh, but the one, uh, one thing that, that I, I really appreciated and that kind of already fit with my personality is that I will succeed based on my own merits. And, um, you know, it's not to say that I won't 
learn from as many people as possible and really try to adapt as well as possible. But what I'm not going to do is blame anyone else. And that's one of, that's the biggest message that I picked up from, from Alice Shrug. It's a 1200 page book. It's an, it's a fiction novel. Um, and honestly, I think you could do just fine listening to the eight hour abridged version. Um, and, and for the first couple hundred pages of the book, you're going to be like, what? What's going on? Why does he like this book? I don't get it. Um, but by the time you, you, know, you get into the you know, 400, 500, you know, that, that territory in the book, you'd be like, okay, I see what's going on and I get it. Uh, and again, you want to get to the point where you don't need, uh, like if something, so if the market doesn't want your product, it's not the market's fault. It's your fault. You need, you need to give the market what it's need. You need to solve a problem better than anyone else. And if you're not, then you haven't earned that. You haven't earned those rewards. So go out and do it yourself and quit whining about it. Quit being a baby. Just go out and do the thing. Um, and, I, and I say that with love, by the way, because it sucks. I, I know what it's, you know, it just, it really sucks when it, things aren't working out. But, um, you know, don't do this out of desperation but do it out of, you know, philosophically, I know that this, I know that this concept works. Solve a problem better than anyone and you don't even have to worry about the money. The money will absolutely be there. Sometimes you have to work at it quite a bit and you got to be your own best publicist, which is, you know, kind of getting where we, where we come in, uh, you know, at my influence. Can I just say that I love Ayn Rand and she gets yeah. a terrible, terrible rep in the public, uh, the public sphere, right? Like yeah. people take her to the extreme, but her idea of individuality, uh, individualism is- Yes. Uh, I didn't read Atlas Shrugged yet, it's on my list. I read Fountainhead, her other dreary yeah. 900 page, page novel, which is about the same. But yeah. man, that was a power, actually I read Mark Cuban once. He goes, that's my favorite book. I read it every two years. I said, I gotta check it out, read it. Amazing, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's a very polarizing person, Ayn Rand, yeah. if you say the name, people get all, spooked but they miss most of them haven't read the actual books they yeah. just hear that you're anyways but i i think yeah. that's great advice yeah so she's from former communist russia so that that absolutely flavors her background and experience uh you know and and uh you know at the same time you know politically like i believe the you know the mark of a of a civilized society is is the safety net that we can that we can take care of one another and that we could do well by one another um so i'm not saying that there's not merit in that um in but but i am a big believer in the individual being able to follow one's own conscience and make those decisions for themselves and if we're true all conscious capitalists then there is no need um, you know, why did savings, you know, you know, why did I launch savings angel is because I believe that that is absolutely the best way to end hunger, lack and need in your communities is empower everybody with more than enough to give. And sure enough, savings angel helped facilitate millions and millions and millions of dollars of giving. That's why we do what we do, because we want to make the world a better place. You know, with my influence, you know, it comes down from my core belief that I believe that everybody has a message that could possibly impact the world. What I'm not a fan of is some people having more of a platform than others. I believe everyone should have equal access to the platform and you got to earn your way there. And by the way, I can help you earn that. And so that's, so there's an innate sense of fairness, but at the same time, uh, you know, we, you know, I'd say objectivism, which, you know, Ayn Rand's a fan of, it's just meritocracy. You could, you, anyone can get there, but you should earn your way there. 
Um, and if you will, and if you'll do the hard work and you'll learn from other people, you can absolutely have exact, it's learned knowledge, right? It's modeling knowledge. Do the thing, ha Arthur Schopenhauer, German philosopher, do the thing, have the power. Um, if, if you just do what uh, someone does, you can have those same results. You know, do it in your own way, in your own voice and, you know, learn from the masters. And that's why, you know, someone's listening to this conversation right now. This is part of that. You know, you got to learn, you know, what, what other people uh, who have been down the road made plenty of uh, mistakes, got their nose bloodied a bunch of times. Um, man, sh give yourself the shortcut. You have the luxury of learning from other people. Don't discount that just because, you know, this information is everywhere. Not every teacher is going to resonate with you. Not every teacher is good, but, you know, um, certainly try to shortcut the path as much as possible by learning from other people's mistakes. Awesome. All right. So I always ask, what is one resource, a book, course, website, whatever that you would recommend to anybody getting started in business? Um, is Atlas Shrugged the answer or is there another yeah. one that you would Yeah, go, go get the abridged version on Audible or whatever, um, you know, the eight-hour version. Um, another one I would recommend, if you're either going to be open to this or you're not, um, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and I'll tell you that um, that's one book that, you know, it reads like an old timey book. You know, it's definitely written in that style, I think 1920s. Um, and as well, um, it's, it's an unusual book in that at the beginning he offers a promise. And I'll give you a clue. And the promise is some people are gonna read this book at this level and some people are gonna read this book at this level. And, in, and I can't, you know, I, I can only promise that when you figure it, and he says this, when you figure it out, you're going to see what I'm writing on a whole nother level. And I have a theory on what that is. And I'll just point out is watch for disclaimers, which it's a weird pattern that he does in that book. He'll drop a bombshell on, you know, talking about like Henry Ford or Edison, I forget who it was, you know, going into a closet in solitude for an hour or more and to clear his head but he comes out with all of this inspiration that he claims that he gets from just, you know, this, this intelligence that he taps into. And he goes, but of course, ha, 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 this could all just be a figment of his imagination and blah, blah. Ah, no, you don't worry about that, right? Well, that was weird. Why did you tell me that? And then go through this whole disclaimer on this, right? And the disclaimer is there for people who don't, they're not ready for it. Maybe there is something to that. And I can say, you know, from my own sense, like I, my best, you know, it's like when people say I get my best ideas in the shower, maybe you're starting to tap into something, you know, it's like, you know, maybe there is, you know, a deeper, you know, maybe it's just your brain, just, you know, your ability to tap into a subconscious or whatever, you know, when you quiet and you, you know, maybe there's something to that. And again, I say maybe, because again, I'm doing the same thing with the disclaimer, but, but read that book, think and grow rich and it will change your life. If you're open to it, if you're not open to it, you'd be like, eh, this guy's a little kooky every once in a while. But all I can tell you is I've talked to enough people whose lives have completely changed um, when they really adapted those principles. I had to read that one twice. I read it once. I was too young. I said, yeah, just think it and it'll happen. That's nonsense. And then I got a little bit older. It was probably 10 years in between reads. And the second time yes. I was like, this guy knows. And, and I think, and he says it in the book. And I think that's, that is the yeah. case. I'm not a yeah. super ultra big fan of the book personally. It's just not my, for my style, but that is correct. I mean, um, you read, you got to read that book with the right mindset and it does, it does work. 
It is. Yeah, it and is. you'll read it at different levels every time. And there's, and there's like so many good books. You know, and the most important thing I think is that you become a constant, you know, just, just become a student and, you know, stay coachable, stay hungry. Um, you know, don't ever think that you've got life locked down. Uh, the moment, you know, you believe that you are the master, I mean, we can become the master at some things, but, you know, never, never stop being the student. Love it. Yeah. Napoleon That's my Hill's, biggest piece of advice. <laughs> it's a, Napoleon Hill has some other controversial books too, and they're, they're interesting reads, but I'm, I'm a fan. All right. So where can people get a hold of you, Josh, if they'd like to follow up? Yeah, so we do a lot of stuff pro bono. I generally don't sell stuff to early stage entrepreneurs. It's just, you know, we're we're doing fine, but we, you know, we we generally just give it all away. Um, and so we give away what other people charge thousands of dollars for in their 997 e courses and junk. Like I, you could just have that stuff for free. Like we give it away on YouTube, pot, you know, our own podcasts. Um, you could search right now. Um, for the thoughtful entrepreneur, it's a daily podcast, and I interview people that are doing six figures a, a year or more in business, and I ask them hard questions, and and we get. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff, uh, but yeah, if you just go to upmyinfluence.com, and in the lower left hand corner, you'll see all of our social media. One thing I give away, absolutely worth thousands of dollars, is our Authority Transformation Masterclass. It's free. Yep. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell you on like, yeah, we have a, a, my influence community that it might be appropriate for you if you're at the right level. But otherwise, if you're not, man, just go through, download my resource guide. It's free. Like it's free, man. Just go, just go tap into all that stuff. And you know, when you're ready and you know, you got money coming in, you know, we could pour some gas on some fire if you're interested, but yeah, up my and you'll see all the free stuff. Love it. And I definitely liked the uh, authority transformation class, masterclass. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good stuff. So, Josh, I know we all got to run. Thank you very much for coming on the show. This has been great. Some very, very good insight for the listeners, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, Always David and Alex, you guys are good guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.